Good evening. We're in the book of Ephesians, chapter 2. And we're looking at how we can see things from the right perspective. And so the, the series has been entitled Vision because we want to have a clearer vision at not only who we are, but what we are now that we are followers of Jesus. What does that mean? And we're going to read a couple of verses in chapter 2, uh, verses 8 through 10. So if you have a copy of the scriptures open up there, and there are verses you're most likely familiar with. And it says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and that is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. These two verses are like the sparkle on the diamond of what is the book of Ephesians. They are at the heart of really one of the most important understandings uh, in all of Christianity. By grace, you are saved. But, but sometimes we, we hear things so much that they lose their meaning. You know, sometimes it's hard to be grateful for things we feel we already know. And, and sometimes we live through life as if there are no surprises. And then life becomes kind of dull because you know what's going to happen. Oh, this is my routine. I'm going to do this. I'm going to eat the same. Some people eat the same thing for breakfast every day. It makes them feel comfortable. If you're here, I'm not picking on you. I'm just saying some people, that's it. It's just a routine, but there's no surprises. And pretty soon life gets planned out. And what a shame it would be if we started walking through this relationship with God and there's no surprises. We figured it out. We, we know what it is. I, I remember years ago is when Costco was called Price Club. And you were just getting used to buying things in mass amounts. You know, I, I don't need a ketchup. I need five gallons of ketchup, you know, because <laughs> it's only like $3. I mean, it's $1.50 for the small one, but $3 and I get five gallons and I'll use it for, I'm still using it. You know, it, it's... One of those things where you just like, okay, I, I can get that. And I remember buying a, a crate full of mangoes because I love mangoes. And I don't know how many mangoes there were in that crate, but there were just a ton of mangoes. And I remember every day I was eating mangoes. And I was, the first day, this is magnificent. Mangoes are the best. The third day, oh man, I'm so glad I got all these mangoes. About the eighth day, I mangoed out. You know, it's like, I like mangoes. I'm kind of getting burnt on these mangoes. I've just been eating mango, mango, mango after day after day. And after a while, it stopped losing that excitement. Oh, man, I can't wait to have a mango. No, I had one already, and I, I know what that's about. And what a shame if we would take Scripture, something like this, and, and here, by grace, we are saying, oh, yeah, I know I'm saved by grace. It's a gift of God. Oh, yeah, God has given me this gift of grace. And it not simply floor us what it means that we would lose appreciation because we've heard it and we think we know it. And what I hope 
to do tonight is maybe just surprise us again with what the scripture says so that we'll be awakened to a new sense of what it is. It's, you know, adding something that's not new but that we just didn't recognize before. Seeing something maybe in a different light so that we can appreciate it a little bit more. And to start this off, we have to, again, springboard into it in verse 7 when he talks about in Christ Jesus. Because in Christ Jesus is the umbrella that we are in. Remember the first chapter, in Christ. All these things are in Christ. We are complete in Him. We are found in Him. That God looks at Jesus and we're hiding in there. And when He sees us, it's like He's looking at Jesus and yet He's looking at us. And so this is where we're starting out, this in Christ Jesus. He he has entered our flesh and blood existence and he's forging this new spiritual bond with us. He's shared our life with us in so much that he wants us to share in his life also. And this spirituality that's found in Christ, it's about increasing in awareness of our union with Jesus. And what that means, to be a follower of Christ is to recognize more and more what it is to to walk in union with Jesus. And then not only to recognize it, but what does it do? What does it do in me? What does it change in me? How does it affect when I pump gas? Or when I go get a frozen yogurt afterwards. Or or when I'm in line and and the checker is exceptionally thorough. (laughs) And making sure that every key is pressed just right. And all the other lines are moving. Except for this one. Yesterday, Corrine and I got in. We we celebrated our 31st anniversary and... And we were heading out, but we were going to get Starbucks on the way out. You know, yeah, we're going to start the celebration. We're going to Starbucks and and we're going to get an expensive coffee. You know, not just a coffee that's expensive, but an expensive coffee. And so we got there and we ordered the coffee and they say, oh, I'm sorry, we don't have that. You know, and and we're sitting and and you're in the drive-thru because it's so convenient, right? And it's like, oh, but there's four cars in front of me. Now there's like two cars behind me. I'm stuck. I can't go anywhere. So it's like, okay, I guess we'll take that one. You know, we'll, we'll take that. Well, what does Jesus with me look like when they don't have my coffee? And then I said, okay, well, I'll, I'll get this artichoke chicken thing. That looks pretty good. We'll use that for a snack because we were going to go somewhere before we had dinner. We get to the window. Oh, yeah, we don't have that either. It's like, what am I here for? What are you here for? You know, what does Jesus look like in us when things don't go our way, when life throws us the curve, when you find out you have cancer, when you find out your child's in custody when the bottom falls out what does jesus look like in us at those times as well how are we experiencing what god works in us in our everyday life because that's the whole point is what is this what does this look like and so as he jumps into this 
this experience of Jesus, he tells us the simple truth in, in just these short chapters that are so deep when he says, by grace you are saved. Through faith, this is not from yourselves, it is a gift of God. And grace, I guess, is the simple way to understand it, is a gift. When someone gives you something and it's like, oh wow, thank you for the gift. I wasn't aware you were going to give me this. A friend of mine used to work at Niederlander. And so he would get great tickets to concerts. I saw like Phil Collins in the third row. And he also had a line in on the forum back then when the Lakers played at the forum before the Staples Center. And it was the playoffs. This was when Magic was there. No, it was actually the finals. It was the finals. I forget. It wasn't against Boston. I think it was against um, the Pistons. And so he was playing against Pistons, and we were going to go to the finals. And these seats are like four rows up center court. And we're like, just this is it, man. We're sitting with important people, you know, and we're just enjoying the game, and everyone looks huge when you're that close to them. And then they actually had people would come down in this section and ask you for your order. They'd come down and, yes, can I help you? They'd give you a little menu. And, you know, it's like, okay, we're at the finals. We're going to splurge. They had a barbecue sandwich. And, yeah, it was like 19 bucks or something like that. But, you know, uh, we're here at the game. I'll have that. And I'm going to have a Diet Coke. And we're going to just enjoy this. And so she comes back and she gives the food. And we go to pay her. And she goes, oh, no, it was covered. The guy who gave us the seats, covered our tab. I know, we were like balling. We were like, yeah, that's right. You know who we are, right? We don't even pay for our barbecue sandwich. It was a gift. It was something that was given to us, and we weren't expecting it. And it was like, now, well, I don't want to take advantage of it, but man, that dessert looked really good. You know, it, it's something we weren't expecting. It was just given to us because someone wanted to. And, and so grace is this gift. And that feeling that I had when like, what? I don't have to pay? That feeling you get when they surprise, here it is, and, and it's what you wanted, and it's that thing you've been looking up on Amazon, you know, and you wanted and you've wanted, maybe put on a wish list, but all of a sudden you get it. It's like, man, God's given us this gift. And that's how we need to think of grace, as a gift that comes from God. Because it's something that God has chosen to give to us. If it's a gift that opens up the doors of opportunity and it fits us to meet the challenges and the opportunities that are ahead of us. God's saying, I'm going to give you something that you are going to need for your life. I'm going to give you this. It's going to fit you for who I've made you to be and for what you are going to encounter. And so don't think of grace as just something that God did at the cross. Think of grace as a gift that God gives to you because it's something he knows you need and it's something that's going to help you in this unity that you have with him and Jesus. Grace is meant to be a part of our lives in our everyday lives. It's a gift that makes impossibilities 
realities. There's no way that I can be this close with God. Here's a gift. You are now. There's no way that the God who created everything is going to hear my voice among the billions of voices that are that are out there. Yes, here it is. Here's a gift. And, and you see, grace is that incredible gift that we've been giving. And think of it as having favor, of God giving us this favor. And, and Paul has just told us that we were dead and then made alive. We talked about that last week. And how how did that happen? How, how did we get made back to life or made alive for the first time? How did that happen? And that's what we're talking about. How did we get from our trespasses and our sins to the kindness of God that we get to enjoy forever? How, how did we move from this place of hopelessness to this place of hope? How did we move from this place of being lost to this place of security and, and that we've been found And it's happened through this gift, through God's favor, through what God wanted to give to you and to me. And it it should overwhelm us with this understanding that God showed us favor. He extended his grace to us, that this grace that gives life to the dead is a gift to you and to me from God. What many Christians think when it comes to by grace you are saved, they think of the word saved in in a very limited context or even the word salvation. So you think of salvation. And they ask you, are you saved? And you say, oh yeah, by grace I was saved. And so the idea of saved is over here. I was saved. And we have Ephesians 2 passage. I I was saved by grace. It's an event that happened in my life. This is something that took place. And the evangelical idea is keeping you from hell. God saved you so you wouldn't go to hell and that's the purpose of salvation. And so you were saved, that means you're not going to hell, you're going to heaven and this is what the whole purpose of salvation is for. But you see, the idea of being saved is much more than just escaping judgment. Salvation has to do with wholeness, it has to do with health. And so then Paul tells us also... In 2 Corinthians 2, 2.15, that we are being saved. That it's happening right now. It's not just something that happened in the past. He says, for us who are being saved... And so it sounds like an ongoing process. And then Romans chapter 13, verse 11, 
he says that our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. And he talks about salvation in the future. When he talks about the restoration of our bodies and all of creation. And you see, salvation isn't this one thing that happened to you one day. Salvation is the work of God that encompasses the totality of your life, that redefines what your past means because of what God has done there, is shaping who you are now and is waiting for you tomorrow. We wait for the redemption of our bodies. And so when we have to deal with something like what Terry's dealing with, with the cancer, salvation, what is salvation? It looks to the future as well and says, I'm here for you tomorrow. Whatever happens today, you're being saved. I'm at work with you today, but I'm also working for your tomorrow. And so by grace, this gift, this favor of God, we are saved. We are brought into relationship. We don't just escape hell. That's, that's just the small benefit. The whole purpose is to gain into this relationship. It includes healing. Physical as well as emotional, as well as spiritual. Have you ever been in a place where you were just depressed, it was dark? Maybe you were in a, a situation financially that you were at the end of your rope. There was nothing that was going to get you through to tomorrow. And then someone comes and they, they give you a check. Or they give you a word that encourages you and it's like, man, you don't know, but you saved me. I had nothing and you, you brought it to me. You see... Salvation includes those things where God deals with your physical situation, where God deals with your emotional situation, where God deals with your financial situation. Salvation encompasses all of these things. And so when we think of by grace we are saved, don't just think of grace as, oh, it's a nice thing. Think of God is showing favor, giving you what you will always need to be in relationship with Him. It's something He's done for you through Christ on the cross. That's the past. It's something He's doing in you today as we work out our salvation with fear and trembling. And we are waiting for the redemption of our bodies. There will be no more tears. There will be no more crying. Salvation is our future. And this is all a gift. It's all because He wants to. Do you even realize that God wants to give you this more than you want to receive it? That He's been searching for you or he's been looking for you before you were even searching for him 
that he's been desiring this for you. Can't wait to give you this. And what a great thing that is. You know when you have that gift that you want to give to someone and you can't wait? It's for their birthday, but their birthday is two weeks away. Oh, let's give it to you now because, you know, you can use it now. Whatever that it was. You know, that you just want to see them have it because you want to see the expression, God's been waiting to give you this gift. But then it's an important thing. We see just the, the process. The, the goal of evangelism isn't just to get people into the Christian experience. God's ongoing work in their lives is part of the salvation. It's part of our character growing. It's part of the intimacy with God. It's a process of transformation. That's what salvation is. A process of transformation. So when you think of salvation, I've been saved, I'm in the process of being transformed, being changed into someone else, into something else. And what matters is not where you are in the process, but that you are in the process. It doesn't matter where you are. It matters that you're in the process. Because if you're in the process, the work is taking place in you. God is working in you. God is shaping who you are to who you will be. God meets us where we are and by His grace keeps us moving forward. Oh, we fall. We stumble. Things blindside us. We get knocked down. But God's grace keeps you moving forward. I didn't know about this. I I didn't see this. I wasn't expecting this. God's grace keeps you moving forward. The process keeps you going. It is hope beyond our circumstances. So many times we, we, we are blinded by what we are seeing and where we are living. And I know so many people who, who live as if it's hopeless. This is just how it is. I guess I'm stuck. And they don't understand that, no, salvation is at work in you. There is a process that God is doing. You're not the same person today who God wants you to be tomorrow, and He's going to shape you there. And that's true for the other people in your life as well. Oh, but you don't know them. They can never change. Are they in the process? Because I've seen God change some people who I thought would never change. Do you recognize the gift of God and the power that that gift has in our lives as it's there to shape us? So if it's something that has been given to us by God, it's shaping who we are and it's waiting for us, then it helps us to see things in a different way. Paul writes in Romans chapter 5, verses 1 and 2, Therefore, having been justified by faith... We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have obtained our introduction by faith into this grace in which we stand. And so now faith is coming into this picture. We have this grace by faith. 
Now, I had always thought that this passage in Hebrews, I mean Ephesians, where it says, by grace you are saved through faith and that not of yourselves, or that's not because of you, that the that of not of yourself referred to the faith. Because grace obviously means unmerited favor. But I really think that Paul is emphasizing and overemphasizing what he's saying here. And it's partially because of how it's written in the Greek. I don't speak Greek, but here it goes. It says, in the Greek, not of yourselves is ok ex hemon, and then not of works is ok ex ergon. So, not of works, not of yourself is referring again to those works. And what I think Paul is doing is trying to re-emphasize this point. You see, God extends grace to us. He reaches down and then our faith reaches up. Now, God's given us the ability to believe. He's granted us all a measure of faith, but You see how it works together? God extends grace to us so that we can know Him and be right with Him and we accept His grace through faith. That is, we we trust Him with the details. I don't know how you're going to do it all, but I trust you. That's my trust in you. That's what faith is. It's just trust. It's a religious word for trusting God. Okay, so God has given grace to us and we trust Him. Where grace and faith meet is the place where we connect to God. God's favor, God's goodness, and my trusting Him, that's where the relationship takes place. That's where we connect with God. And Paul is emphasizing this. I was reminded of the movie Goodwill Hunting. Do you guys remember that movie? There's one part in the movie where Matt Damon, Will, has a folder that has the information of all the abuse that his father has done to him. And then McGuire, the Robin Williams professor, is talking to him. And he tells Will, he says, it's not your fault. Will goes, yeah, yeah, I know. I know it's not my fault. And he says, no, it's not your fault. He goes, I I know it's my fault. And then Robin Williams gets in his face and he goes, no, it's not your fault. And then Will has this reaction. He gets defiant and he goes, I know, what are you trying to do? Don't do this to me. And he just is insistent saying the same thing. It's not your fault. And it's just an emotional scene where he breaks down, starts weeping and they start holding each other as he starts crying. You see, he knew it wasn't his fault, but the healing hadn't come because he had to own it. By grace, you are saved. It's not of yourself. Oh yeah, I know. it. No, by grace, you are saved. Not because of what you've done. Oh yeah, I know, it's about you. No, you don't really understand what I'm saying to you. That it's by grace, God's favor, that you belong to Him. Not by what you've done. Can you own that? Because if you can own that, then you can have the freedom to live in that without having to try and, well, I just can't go to to God today because look at how I 
blew it. Oh, I, I can't be a part of this because if I did, if they knew who I was, then no one would really like me. Do you, do you understand that all of us are here by grace? It's nothing that we've done. It's not of works that we could boast. And boasting was a way of making yourself known in that culture. Paul is saying, it's not by works lest anyone boast. No one can claim that they have the right to stand in a privileged place. And we say that. Oh yeah, no, there's, we're all in the same, we're all sinners saved by grace. But do we own that? Is that displayed in how we interact with the people around us? I can't boast. I'm no better than anybody. I'm not. Because this amazing gift, this amazing favor that God has pursued to give to me, this amazing example of love demonstrated on the cross by Jesus has been freely given to me. And it's freely there for everyone. I can't boast. I have nothing to boast about. God extends this grace so that we can know Him. We accept this grace because we trust Him. Paul is helping us to see especially in the culture where he was living, where it was a matter of what you did determined your status with God. If you didn't keep the law, if you were a lawbreaker, then it defiled who you were. You could not go into the temple to receive atonement if things weren't right. And so there was this constant pressure of are you right before God are you okay before God and Paul is taking that mindset and he's just blowing it out of the water saying that mindset no longer exists because it's by grace that you are saved brought into this relationship through faith it's not of yourself can't boast And then it gets even more beautiful, actually, because in verse 10, he goes on and he says, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. The reason we can't take credit for what we're becoming is because we're God's project. So I can't take credit. Yeah, I'm becoming pretty good, aren't I? Yep. Do you see I helped that guy over there, that homeless guy? (laughs) I did that. That's right. I'm becoming pretty good. No, I'm part of his handiwork. You see, I can't take credit. I'm the project. Just like all those projects that our kids did in the fifth grade. They couldn't take credit for them because mom and dad did them, right? But they got to go up in front of the class and say, yes, this, oh, great job, great job. And they got the, you know, the teacher gave them the grade. We didn't get the grade. In fact, the teacher would give the B and we go, B? What are you talking about? Give me a B? Fifth grade teacher give me a B? What do you think this is? You see, we are his project. 
And it, you might know that that word workmanship is the word poema. It translates into our word poem. And really, it's language that's suggesting the work of an artist or a craftsman. We are his workmanship. We are his poem. We are his handiwork. We're, we're like a musical score. And the music which we are now that we now get to play is the genuine way of being human. It's what we were made to be. And it's laid out before us in God's gracious design so that we can follow in it. We can walk in it. We can live in it. We're being made into something new. 2 Corinthians 5.17 If anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, all things have become new. I'm new. And sometimes we don't feel new, do we? Sometimes we feel old. We feel dirty. We feel used. Sometimes we, we feel neglected, hurt, troubled. And what we need to do is, is recognize that we are a process in work. We are a, a musical number that, that's going through one of the sad verses, but the chorus is coming. We're a play that is being performed where the tragedy has befallen the hero, but in the next scene, the hero is going to triumph over it. We are here, but God is taking us there. That you are His project. It's not your project. It's His project. And wherever you're at and whatever's happened, God is not surprised that you're there. And God is not unable to take you from here to where you need to be. Remember we read, if the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead now is in your mortal bodies, what's too difficult? And so we are the process God is working. He is moving us along. We become the new creation. We belong to something new. We are God's new people, this new humanity that God is working. And the difference between the works that take place in verse 9 and the works that are here taking place in verse 10 is the words of and for. Uh, the new create creature is not made of works, but once I am a new create creation in Christ, it is for works. So I'm not made of good works, but I am made for good works. And it makes all the difference in the world. This has been God's design all along. From beforehand, He's prepared this, that we would be people that would produce good works. It is our character. It, people should see us. As Jesus said, let your works, your light so shine before men that they see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. It's supposed to be part of how we demonstrate who we are that it changes our lives and it produces something in us. 
we walk in this way. Good works are supposed to become the way of life, how we do things. So what are the works? Well, anything that's good. It doesn't have to be limited. He has shown you what is good and what the Lord requires of you to do justly, to love mercy, to walk humbly with your God. Those are good works. So this is what God has brought to us. You know, maybe you've heard that a person is someone who, who does good deeds and never knows it. A person who does what's good and it just becomes normal. You know, I'm going to tell on um, Corrine today. Um, Corrine went with, uh, it's not telling on you, just something that happened. She went with um, Kelly. They went and heard something and they went into Del Taco to get something to, something to drink. And then uh, they got, Kelly bought a, a breakfast burrito. And so Corrine said, well, I'm going to get a breakfast burrito too. And as they came walking out, there was a homeless person there and Kelly just said, hey, do you want a breakfast burrito? And the guy said, no, I had two already this morning. Thank you, you know. So if you guys don't have any money and you want to get breakfast burritos, that's an idea. Um, but, and then they went in the car and they sat down and Kelly didn't eat the, her burrito. And Crane says, well, aren't you going to eat it? She goes, no, I just bought it for them. I, I didn't plan on eating it. I just had the intention of doing that all along. It's just what she planned on doing. She saw that and she wanted to make it happen. See, good works should be something that's just part of our daily life. It doesn't matter if he ate it or not. It matters that that's something that she desired to do. And good works are that road that we live on. Good works are the road that the followers of Christ are to follow, leading in the right direction. That's part of this journey. You see, we're getting to the place where God has for us, and we're getting there through the good things that we do the transformation of who we are, the changing of our character and our lives. And so, in concluding all this, grace is an invitation. Grace is an invitation that is given to humanity. You know, the sun comes up every day. It's up to me if I want to walk outside and enjoy the light and the warmth that it provides or if I want to stay inside and close the curtains. But the sun comes up. Jesus said that God pours out his mercy on the just and the unjust. The rain falls on the just and the unjust. God's grace is available to the world. It's like the sun. You can walk out and you can receive it or not. But it's available there. Grace is the invitation to step into the light that you can't create and you can't extinguish. It's the invitation to take part in the life that God can give, the life that you were intended for, that is going to change who you are. And it's up to you to step into that. Grace is God knocking on your door every morning and calling, can you come and play? We used to get so annoyed at the neighbors when they'd get up early. And we had the day to sleep in. And they knock on the door. They're relentless. Can the boys come out and play? 
See, God's knocking relentless in the morning. Hey, can we take part of this? You want to be a part of this life? Every morning, it's there for you. The invitation to grace is hidden in every moment, every event, good or bad. The grace of God is there. And so when someone like our sister Terry is in this place that just makes us want to weep, we can take hope because grace is there. And that event that has happened, the tragedy in your life, whatever it is, the grace is there. The invitation to be a part of this life is there. Our challenge is to perceive that where grace is at work in there and here and now, it's our challenge to see it where we're at. And once we receive this grace, to be able to share it, to go out and to give it to those who are there. See, the sad thing isn't that we don't know what grace is. The sad thing is we don't appreciate what we have. And we take it for granted. And it doesn't surprise us every morning when we wake up that the grace of God is knocking on our door and saying, I'm here. What do you need? I've got it covered. Because it's by grace you've been saved through faith, not of yourselves, that anyone should boast. We are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. May we be surprised by the goodness of God every day. Let's pray. Father, I never want to be a person who takes for granted what I have. And it has happened often where I have lost sight of your goodness, where I've lost sight of who you are making me, and I become stagnant in my growth and what I do. But you are so good to remind me. You are so gentle in how you persuade me. You are so persistent not to leave me or abandon me, but to continue that process. Lord, I have been saved. I am being saved. I will be saved. I belong to you. I'm in process. I am your work. I am your musical score. I am your poem being written. And wherever I'm at and wherever, whatever I'm experiencing right now, there is a stanza to come. There is a refrain to come. There is a, a chorus to be sung. There is more to be written. So, Lord, may we not put a period where you are putting a comma. May we not see our lives fatalistically, but may we see our lives in the hope that is there in the gift of your grace. We pray and ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.